Welcome to the More Than a Physique podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, online fitness coach, content creator, and competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. In this podcast, we help you discover your inner athlete. Each episode will enhance your life as we provide you insights on all things health, fitness, and personal development. Now let's bring out your inner athlete. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the More Than a Physique podcast, where we discuss ways to ignite all areas of your life surrounding health, fitness, and becoming mentally elite. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, certified strength and conditioning specialist, sports nutritionist, and a certified pre- and postnatal coach with the Natty Hour. Before we get into today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Legion and the Natty Hour. Legion is an evidence-based supplement company that takes pride in ensuring that all products are backed by peer-reviewed scientific literature and are dosed at clinically effective levels. If you've been following me long enough, you know that I'm not one to push something that I don't believe in, especially supplements. But the fact that Legion has gone to great lengths to ensure such quality products is the reason why I have partnered up with them. If you are interested in learning more, be sure to visit legionathletics.com. You will also receive 20% off your first order if you use my code Jansen, J-A-N-Z-E-N, at checkout. Further information and links are in the show notes. Also, a huge shout out to The Natty Hour, which is my online coaching business that I run with my husband, Kyle Jansen. We exist to serve the drug-free strength and fitness community, from those who embody the discipline and determination to pursue the highest level of competition naturally, to those looking to improve their overall health and lifestyle. Our athletes range from being elite bodybuilders to the new mom looking to prioritize her health amongst a hectic schedule. Be sure to visit thenattyhour.com to learn more. Thank you so much for supporting the More Than a Physique podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode on your social media. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 91. In today's episode, I want to take some time to talk about stress management. In my coaching services, I provide a weekly live with my team where we go over various topics and we had a really great discussion in one of our lives where we talked about the importance of building stress durability strategies because as we all know, Stress is always going to be there. It is something that we all deal with and it's not just something that we can ignore. It's not an on and off switch. So having effective strategies at the back of our toolkit is imperative, especially if one deals with chronic states of stress. 
In this episode, I talk about various ways of how you can create your own stress durability and as well to discuss the implications of unmanaged stress and how it can be extremely detrimental, not only to your body composition related goals, but to your long-term health. So I really do hope that you find a lot of value in this replay that I share with you all that I shared with my team as well too. This is something that I do on a weekly basis with my Natty Hour team. If joining the Natty Hour is something that you're interested in, I provide a comprehensive amount of detail on my website. So if you're not too sure as to what services are being offered or even what online coaching is, I really encourage you to head over to thenattyhour.com where you can get a full detail of what you can expect. And as well too, you can always reach out to me if you have any questions. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. The reason why I really wanted to take some time today to talk about stress management is because it very much is underprioritized. I honestly think that it can be much more underprioritized in comparison to sleep. Those two very much are in line when it comes to things that we underprioritize in our lives. And as you guys know, I ask these questions in your weekly check-ins. How are things going with your sleep management? How are things going with your stress management? And these are biofeedback markers. And the reason why I pay such close attention to these things is because they do have an impact on our ability to be as successful as possible with our body composition related goals. They very much, if they aren't being managed efficiently, play a huge role in just holding us back. They can play a significant role. So it's uh, extremely important for us to make sure that we develop specific strategies that we know how to implement in those moments where our sleep isn't being managed and our stress isn't being managed. Because let's face it, stress is always going to be there, right? It doesn't get any easier as we get older, but what often does happen if we allow it to, or if we take the time to focus on it is we get better at handling the obstacles and the stressors that life throws at us. So we're going to obviously really touch on uh, stress today. Like I said, stress is very much under prioritized. And why is this? Well, I think that there are three reasons that come to mind here. Number one, we don't have time to deal with it, or we think that we don't have the time to deal with it. Number, tr- number two, we try to completely eliminate it. And then number three, we often think that it's not that big of a deal, or it's not as bad as we may think. But something that we have to consider with these three things that cause us to underprioritize our stress management is if we feel like we don't have the time, we have to remember that making the time to deal with it actually increases our productivity. So that way we can really just focus on the task at hand and do a better job of that. And I'm sure you guys have heard me say this before. This very much relates to the oxygen mask analogy, right? If we 
aren't putting our oxygen mask on first when we are on an airplane, we can't help others around us. We have to make the time to help ourselves first if we want to be as efficient as possible with doing the other things that we need to do in our life. So it's extremely important to make sure that we are making the time. In regards to reason number two, where we try to completely eliminate it. Remember what I said previously, stress is always going to be there. It's not going away. It's part of our lives. It's part of what we as adults, unfortunately, have to deal with. So I think, you know, just even shifting our perspective where we realize that, hey, you know what? We want to more so focus on mitigating the stress versus thinking that we need to completely eliminate it. Because if we think that elimination is the goal when it comes to stress management, that creates an all or nothing mentality where if the stress isn't completely gone, we allow it to fester and spiral and take over because we think, well, it's not completely gone. Why even bother trying to deal with it? I have too much to do in a day to even think about it. So it's super important for us to just change that perspective and realize that, hey, you know what? We don't need to completely eliminate stress. That's actually impossible. That's almost as impossible as chasing perfection. And as we all know, perfection doesn't exist. So we want to focus on mitigating stress versus eliminating it. And then the last reason here, thinking that it's not a big deal or it's not that bad. Now we have to recognize that stress It's not just a feeling. It's not just something that you are feeling, something that you are noticing. It's not just an emotion. There's also physiological components to it as well, where there's things going on from a hormonal standpoint that we don't realize can be impacting us. So just because you may feel like stress isn't all that bad, we have to make sure that we're paying attention to other indicators in our life that may suggest otherwise. So some things that come to mind where we want to pay attention to not just our emotions of stress, but are things like our sleep. How are we recovering in the gym? If we are sore all the time, if we have insomnia, these things can be huge contributors to our lack of stress management. Even something as simple, well, not simple, but it's actually pretty complicated as gut health. You know, the uh, social media world is very much on a uh, gut health kick these days which is not a bad thing. I'm not knocking it. But we often put the cart before the horse when it comes to managing our gut health, not realizing that one of the biggest contributors to poor gut health is going to be due to lack of stress management. In other words, chronic states of stress. So it's so important for us, like I said, to remember that stress, it's not just an emotion. There very much is a hormonal aspect that can cause, um, that can be an indicator that our stress may not be, uh, may not be being as, what am I trying to say here, is it may not may not be as managed as we think that it is. Does that make sense? (laughs) We may not be managing our stress as as well as we as good as we think that it is. I'm sorry, my English is off this morning when these other markers come into play. So paying attention to those different things matters as well. 
So let's, um, you know, continue to expand on that, right, from the uh, um, physiological components of stress. So what happens here when our brain de uh, detects stress, our fight or flight response kicks in. And again, this isn't an emotion. This isn't a feeling. Even though you may feel like it, you go into fight or flight, there's actually hormonal changes that are occurring. So those hormones that we notice um, that are creating this fight or flight response is called epinephrine and no epinephrine. So those take a huge role when it comes to our brain detecting stress. So flight or flight kicks in here and our brain actually, it forces resource changes to promote survival. So basically your body from a hormonal standpoint, when it detects stress, it is saying, holy crap, we need to go into survival mode. And the reason this happens is because of evolution. Your brain and your body doesn't know the difference between somebody cutting you off in traffic in comparison to being chased by, you know, a bear or whatever, or whatever our ancestors got chased by back in the day. But all your body understands is that, hey, there's a stressor going on and I need to make sure that I promote survival. That means other metabolic functions within our body, we hit the pause button on those metabolic functions so your body can ensure that you survive because that's our body's top priority. It wants to make sure that you live. It doesn't care that you just put a bunch of stress on your body because you're trying to diet down. It doesn't care that you just increased your cardio, which again, puts a lot of stress on your body because you're trying to get ready for a bodybuilding show or a trip to Mexico. All your body recognizes is stress. So something that's helpful with, you know, just picturing that for yourself is to uh, remember that stress is like a cup of water. It's like a bucket of water where it's just no, it just recognizes water. It doesn't understand that there are strategic forms of stress that you're putting on your body or there's, you know, manageable amounts of stress that aren't going to cause you to die. There's no, you know, suffer or sorry, survival isn't being threatened here all your body is do all your body can do is just recognize that bucket of water so it there's stressors that go in there's stressors that go out and it's all accumulated in this one bucket here so when our body says like hey we need to hit the pause button on these metabolic processes because it detects a stressor Things that are impacted are things like our hormones, um, which are which include our thyroid, our mood, muscle growth and soreness. Like I said previously, gut health is um, impacted, recovery, sleep, and digestion. So these things are being impacted in negative ways where your body doesn't want to regulate those things as efficiently as possible because its top priority is to focus on survival. It doesn't really care that you're trying to build muscle right now. That's not a necessity to survival. So your body will hit the pause button. So that's why I said previously, stress is not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. We can't tell our brain like, hey, you know what? Um, I don't, I'm not dying. I'm not in trouble. I'm not in danger here. You don't need to hit the pause button on these metabolic processes. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way as nice as it would. So 
you know what? Like I said previously, we're always going to deal with stress. These aren't things that we can't eliminate. So these things are, of course, going to be impacted when we deal with acute levels of stress. The issue that comes into play here is when we are in a chronic state of stress. So we're kind of, you know, focused on that underprioritized reason number one, which is that we don't have time to deal with it. Therefore, that bucket, it starts to overfill because it's not going to go away. That bucket is going to keep filling up with stress because it's an accumulated effect. So if we have that mentality that I don't have time to deal with it, we're putting ourselves in a chronic state of stress where all of those previous things that I mentioned, our thyroid, our hormone, our gut health, recovery, sleep, all of these different things, they really play a significant role in our long-term health. And that's what we want to try to mitigate. That's what we want to try to reverse. So in addition to what I mentioned, you know, stress is also associated with anxiety insomnia, muscle pain. So if you are constantly sore after a workout, you know, that's normal in the beginning of your, when you're starting a new training program, that's to be expected because your body's going through new adaptations, your body is getting used to different and new movement patterns where that soreness, in theory, if you're recovering correctly, that soreness should start to go down to the point where it's not even noticeable within, you know, about three to six weeks, depending on your lifting experience. Chronic states of stress also have been associated with high blood pressure. And this one's important that I really wanted to highlight, weakened immune systems. You know, of course, there has been a lot of uh, sickness floating around this time of year. But I think it's safe to say that a lot of people have noticed that they have been sick more often than not this past flu season. Even myself, I'm lucky to get sick once a year. If I do, like, holy cow, that's a lot for me. I got sick three times this year. (laughs) That's a lot for me. So I'm not saying that stress is the only reason why that happened. Of course, the state of the world over the last couple of years, you know, definitely played a role, which we're not going to get into. But, you know, if we want to focus on ways that we can control our immune system and things that we can control so we can mitigate the amount that we are, the frequency at which we are getting sick, really just taking that time to focus on managing our stress can play a huge role with our immune system and strengthening our immune system. So that way we're not getting sick as frequently. So that's something very important. And often it can be a huge motivator for a lot of people. So now that we kind of know the implications that stress more particularly chronic states of stress have on our bodies. It's not just an emotion. It's not just a feeling. It's not something that we can ignore because that bucket is going to eventually overflow and we don't want to have to clean up that mess later on. What can we do here? So like I said, stress is always going to be there. We want to not have the mentality that we need to eliminate stress. We want to mitigate it. And what I like to call is we want to focus on creating stress durability. How can we strengthen ourselves to be able to handle and deal with stress? 
So what can we do to manage it versus thinking that we need to run and hide from stress? And there was this great analogy by uh, Dr. Victoria Falkar. Um, highly recommend if you guys have Instagram, giving her a follow. Very informative um, physician and very helpful with the uh, female physiology and uh, just providing a lot of valuable advice. But her analogy for stress management was to focus on having our boxing gloves on because if you are putting yourself in a position where stress is going to be a part of your life, you better have your boxing gloves on, also known as your strategies. Because I know some of you may be listening to this and, you know, thinking to yourself, like, hey, Kristen, like, I got three kids, like, I'm running around like crazy. I can't even find time to make sure that I am eating properly, let alone implementing strategies to mitigate my stress. Stress is just a part of my life. So if that's the case where you just have so much going on, then we need to make sure that you have the appropriate strategies in place to help your way through those moments of stress so you can just handle the specific situations better. And I'm not saying that you're not handling it already, but if you are finding that, you know, focusing on your health, focusing on your long-term goals you have for yourself and uh, being able to sustain that, it's just slipping, it's not working for you, it doesn't hurt to take that time, especially for your long-term health. It is not worth everything that you have going on to put your health at risk when we are noticing these significant implications with those um, previous um, consequences that we discussed with those long-term impacts on your digestion, not sleeping properly, recovery, pain, all of these different things. So what can we do? Well, to create more stress durability, there are certain pillars that we want to have in our life, and that's going to help create stress durability so you aren't just so vulnerable to those previous consequences that I mentioned. So there are one, two, three, four, five pillars that I want to discuss. I'm going to be very brief with the first four. And then the final one I really wanted to highlight today. So the first one is movement, exercise, whatever form of movement that you need to do in a day. If you are able to just find something that you can sustain, even if it's something as simple as going for a five minute walk right before bed, any form of movement has been shown to reduce our overall stress from a psychological standpoint. But like I said, you know, there are physiological components to stress as well. And while exercise is a great way to improve your mindset, improve your psychological stress to mitigate it, we're still actually putting stress on the body from a physiological standpoint. So exercise does still increase the amount of stress. So within that bucket, right, your body still recognizes a stressor. That's not to say that you shouldn't exercise because, like I said previously, it does reduce our psychological stressors that we have going on. It allows us to clear our mind so we can be more productive. So there's kind of a net positive 
benefit by doing exercise still when we're trying to manage our stress. Even though it adds it adds water to the bucket, it also dumps out water from that bucket where I think in theory, there's going to be a lower amount of stress. That net positive benefit is going to be accomplished by making sure that you really prioritize any form of movement. So if you can't get to the gym to follow your training program, go for a five minute walk, you know, go do a class if you can, you know, get some fresh air. It doesn't have to be much. Any form of movement is going to really help significantly. The next one is sleep. Sleep plays a huge role when it comes to our stress management. And there's lots of studies that show this, right? You know, when we are just like in the heat of the moment and our emotions are really high, maybe we have a really tough day and it's really tough to just kind of work our way through some of those issues that we're dealing with. And we often feel better the next day because your, um, your sleep cycle allows your brain to just recover from all of that stress that accumulated after a stressful day. And often a good night's rest is just the best way to help make sure that your stress levels are being managed a little more efficiently. So make sure, like I said previously, you go back and uh, rewatch that live where I talked about sleep management. The next pillar is gut health. So we really want to make sure that we are prioritizing a whole nutrient-dense diet. Yes, of course, as you guys know, I encourage you to ensure that you are having foods that you enjoy into your day. However, we want to ensure that that is within moderation. We do want to make sure that we're still prioritizing having lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, and that we're consuming enough fiber because those things are going to play a huge role on your GI tract, on your digestion, which will reduce the amount of stress that your body is going through when it's going through that, that, that digestion process. So making sure that what we're putting in our mouth is going to really be helpful with reducing inflammation therefore reducing overall stress on your body. So ways to kind of pay attention to that, of course, is to have those targets in mind. You know, on average, we want to have around two to three servings of fruit a day, two to three servings of vegetables a day. Don't read too much into what those servings look like. One banana is a serving of fruit. You know, a handful of strawberries, make sure you weigh it out. Um, you know, 50 grams, 30 grams, doesn't matter. Don't like get too caught up in the nuances of that. That's another serving of fruit. Maybe having a salad, depending on what's in the salad. If it's just lettuce, I would say that that's one serving of fruit, uh, vegetables, sorry. But if you also add cucumber, that's probably two servings of vegetables. So really just, you know, making sure that you're including lots of fruits and vegetables into your day is really important with just optimizing your gut health overall, which will reduce that stress on your body. Another thing to pay attention to with ensuring that your gut health is healthy is bowel movements. So as you guys know, I work through that with you guys in your check-ins where I'm asking you, hey, are things regular or irregular? If they are constantly irregular, let's look into that. Let's see what we can do to improve that because having irregular bowel movements is really stressful on the body increases inflammation, which of course is going to put added layers of stress. So if you aren't having regular bowel movements each day, really trying to get to the root cause of what that, why that is, 
is extremely important. The next pillar is our mindset. And we've talked about this before, right? Having a healthy mindset is the foundation to having a strong house. Your body can look great. Your hair can look great. You can have the best makeup, the best, prettiest nails in the world. But if up here isn't in check before all of that, the house will crumble. Your nice, beautiful bathroom, it doesn't matter. Your nice, beautiful kitchen, it doesn't matter. If there's a crack in the foundation, you have to start all over again, right? So really taking that time to prioritize a healthy mindset. I cannot stress the importance of that enough. So ways to make sure that you are promoting a healthy mindset is to first and foremost, you know, pay attention to what you're listening to. I'm all for trash TV, but within moderation, right? We want to make sure that we are spending our time ensuring that we are actively working our brains. You know, the amount of people who don't read books anymore is astonishing. You know, I understand that we read so much in school and university, and it's the last thing that we want to do. But taking that time to just read 10 pages, that's all I do. And I read one book a month. All I do is read 10 pages a day. I'm consistent with that. And it allows me to read one book a month, which in my opinion, I started that in 2020 when COVID hit. I started reading more. And one book a day was a lot for me. Now it's been a couple of years where I've been incorporating that for myself, where I want to progress to reading two books a month. And that seems kind of daunting to me. But one book a month, you know, I find even for myself as I've uh, expanded my mind and it's, you know, getting better and more efficient with stuff like that, um, challenging myself even further by reading two books a month would be kind of my end goal by the end of this year. So it's kind of like lifting weights, right? With our mindset, we always have to be lifting heavier in order for our muscles to grow. The same thing with our mindset. We have to put our mindset into um, not just challenging perspectives, but also just exploring different perspectives where our thoughts and our beliefs are being challenged through different perspectives in a book can be really helpful with just building and callousing that mind. You know, we all have calluses on our hands. How many calluses do we have up here? So making that effort to really just strengthen our mindset can be so helpful in those moments of stress, to be able to be more resilient to handling difficult and challenging obstacles where somebody cutting us off, off in traffic doesn't even phase us. That flight or flight response that I mentioned, it doesn't even kick in because that's how resilient you are to such a trivial stressor that everybody deals with where it doesn't even impact you. So taking that time when it comes to building our mindset is huge. So reading, I think, you know, first and foremost, personal development um, books is really helpful. If you don't have time to read, listen to an audiobook while you're meal prepping. Listen to an audiobook while you're making dinner. It's so helpful to pair that specific um, habit with something that you already do during the day. I don't normally like listen to audiobooks or podcasts while I'm training, just because I want to make sure that my training intensity is pretty high. But during a deload week, I will. I'll throw on a podcast or an audiobook because, you know, our, ten our intensity during a deal a week, it's meant to come down. So that's a perfect opportunity to get caught up on some personal development with, um, you know, audiobooks or podcasts. So taking that time is really helpful. And then the last two is um, taking the time to do breath work and journaling. 
So that leads me into our final pillar, which I wanted to expand on today, which is respiratory fitness, also known as breath work. So there's actually some studies that show that taking five minutes each day to prioritize breath work reduces your stress more efficiently than five minutes of meditating each day. If you meditate regularly where you are able to be consistent with meditating for 15 minutes a day, keep doing that. I'm not telling you not to meditate. This strategy though, of course, do that as well, but it's more so for people who don't have time to invest more than 10 to 15 minutes of meditating each day. Five minutes of breath work reduces our stress more than five minutes of meditating. So I would say that, you know, the strategies that I wanted to expand on today are very much worth implementing. And this is something that I have been doing regularly for the past couple of months here. And it makes a huge difference. And it's worth the five minutes a day. Okay. Breath work for reducing stress. It's not just as simple as breathing in and breathing out. That's not what we're talking about here. While yes, make sure you're still breathing properly when it comes to your normal baseline, when we are focusing on our respiratory fitness, there's some things that we want to prioritize. So we kind of want to retrain how we are breathing. So it kind of works in our favor because a lot of people, there's research that shows that people often are breathing too frequently. Typically, we want to have around 12 shallow breaths a minute. So just basic baseline breathing of breathing in and breathing out. 12 shallow breaths a minute is a healthy breathing pattern. However, research shows that people are breathing around 30 breaths a minute. So the increased level of frequency at which that we are breathing is an issue. So trying to retrain that so that way we can oxygenate our brains better and think more clearly. So that way we can manage our way through stressful situations is extremely important. So we're going to talk about some different ways that we can correct this today. The first thing is to try to retrain yourself to be more of a nasal breather. I understand that some people, you know, they have deviated septums or just issues with their airwaves where breathing in and out through their nose isn't practical. But, you know, I would encourage you if you don't find that you have issues with that to try to explore it because if you already like even breathe through your nose and breathe out through your mouth and the idea of breathing in and out through your nose, it and you try it right now, it's just like, "Whoa, that feels weird." I myself have found it to feel very weird as well too. But just because it kind of feels off doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to focus on it. So this, the reason why this is so helpful is because it does help just, just to uh, deliver more oxygen to our brains. In addition, actually, when we breathe out through, whoops, sorry, AirPod fell out. <laughs> when we breathe out through our nose, it actually takes longer to excel that air out. So indirectly, that is going to be very helpful with just slowing down your breathing pattern so you're not over breathing. So even if you're exercising, trying to retrain yourself to do this 
It's challenging, but it's worth exploring. So I have actually started to do this when I'm doing my cardio. I find I can do this quite easily when I'm lifting weights, where I'm breathing through my nose and then out through my nose. But when you're increasing your cardiovascular endurance, it's really tough to keep your mouth shut and uh, focus on. So I'm not perfect with it. I pay attention to what I am capable of. I know my limits. And if I find like, oh man, it's hard to breathe out right now, of course, I'm going to open my mouth. You know, don't for- force yourself to do it. It's like exercising where you want to build up that tolerance and try to see if you can prioritize this. And I would start off small where you are doing this just in your everyday life. If you're working at a computer, um, just do going for walks, things that are more low impact and your heart rate isn't increasing quite significantly by being on the Stairmaster or whatever you know, really focus on building up your tolerance, but prioritizing that can be really helpful with just slowing down your breathing pattern. So that's the first strategy. The next one here is to uh, try to pause between breaths. Now, this is where you're doing this in, you know, just your practice routine with your um, respiratory fitness routine, if you will where, you know, your normal baseline breathing patterns, you know, don't, you know, try to change things as you're implementing some of these exercises, your baseline breathing, breathing patterns in time will naturally start to slow down the way that we want it to. But if you are doing a breathing exercise, versus just breathing through your nose, and then out through your nose, try to pause in between breaths. So um, we'll expand on a strategy when it comes to that. Um, But, you know, the biggest reason why before we talk about that strategy, the biggest reason why we want to try to reduce the amount of over breathing that is often going on is because there's research that shows actually that it reduces our productivity and our ability to learn and retain information. So it's really helpful, helpful from a cognitive standpoint, right, which in turn, of course, is really just going to help us with our skill set with thinking more clearly so we can manage our way through stressful situations. It also actually overbreathing can reduce our focus as well too. And we all know how distracting we can distracted we can be in the world that we're living in in uh, social media right now where we're already distracted because of our phones and social media. So trying to see if we can mitigate that and increase our focus by changing our breathing patterns a little bit. I would argue it's worth implementing. So pauses between breaths. What's the strategy that we can implement for this? This is known as box breathing. So with box breathing, what you want to do is breathe in for three seconds, hold your breath for three seconds, breathe out through your nose for three seconds, and then hold your breath for three seconds. Then you do that again for a total of two minutes. So I have been doing this actually right before bed, and I have found it to be so helpful with just calming my mind, clearing my mind, calming my body down so I can actually prioritize quality rest. So I'll demonstrate for you how this will look. (sighs) 
I'm breathing out through my nose. I struggle with it. That is such a challenge for me. And I don't even think that was a full three seconds where breathing in for three seconds, holding for three seconds, that's no issues for me. But it's the breathing out where I really do struggle with it. So I like doing it where I'm lying down, where I'll have my hand on my belly so I can make sure that I am breathing into my diaphragm. It's not just my chest going up and down, that's okay a little bit, but we wanna make sure that we are getting a good breath into our diaphragm. So doing that for just two minutes each day can really help just retrain your breathing pattern so we can slow down the amount that you are breathing per minute. And that's gonna be very helpful, like I said previously, with just oxygenating that brain, increasing productivity and focus. So that way we can manage our way through more efficiently, collectively during stressful situations. Now, the last strategy I wanted to talk about today, um, this breathing, 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 this breathing pattern is very helpful to actually reduce your stress levels in the heat of the moment. And it's called cyclic sighing. And I've actually been doing this when I have found myself to be in stressful situations most particularly when I wake up in the middle of the night and I start stressing how I can't go back to sleep, I implement this breathing strategy and it just calms me down. So that way that stress goes away. And then within minutes, I fall back asleep. So doing this for five minutes a day, and I've actually been doing this as well too, after my workout, because like I said previously, exercising is a form of stress. Yes, there's a net positive benefit, but I want to promote recovery as quickly as possible. Some people will jump into ice bath, which you know what, if that's your thing, that's okay too. Instead, I have been implementing this even before I have that post-workout meal. I will actually focus on five minutes on cyclic sighing, and then I go and eat. So these two breathing patterns are, you know, collectively seven minutes a day. And you don't have to do both every single day. You can alternate where one day you do box breathing, the next day you do cyclic sighing, and then the next day box breathing. So, you know, two to five minutes each day, I think is a really healthy um, regimen for most people. So cyclic sighing, let's go over what this is. This is where we have two inhales through our nose, um, and then we want to follow that by a long exhale through our mouth. So it's actually that second inhale that does the trick. So I'll demonstrate it for you, and then we'll kind of expand on why that second inhale is so important. So this is how it would look. So that first inhale, we want to breathe in until we max out our lung capacity. And then that second inhale, it kind of sounds like a sniffle because there's really not any additional room for air just to help max out any room left on the table on the table when it comes to your lung capacity and then breathing out through your mouth. And there's studies that show that in stressful moments, even if you do that once, it reduces your stress significantly. So if you're dealing with a stressful situation where you're about to go talk to your boss about something overwhelming, you know, the kids are stressing you out, you don't want to say something that you'll regret, take like two minutes. I don't care if people are staring at you or if you are alone in your office before going to that meeting, great. 
Take those two seconds, right? Your stress comes down significantly. Again, making sure that you're breathing into your stomach, not just your chest. That's the trick with that. But the reason why um, it's so helpful to just max out that lung capacity with that second breath is because that's what's really going to allow your body to just enter into a relaxive state. And if you think about it, when we are very upset in the heat of the moment, when we're like crying or sobbing, you ever like get like that where all of a sudden, you know, you can't control yourself and you go... You know, you kind of catch your breath like that. So that's where this strategy kind of came into play. Because when we are in that state, we're naturally trying to calm ourselves down. And that's why, you know, when we're able to be strategic with that by implementing the strategy, that's where it kind of stems from when we're crying and we're heated and we're like, we're crying, sniffling, you know, that's where it comes into play. So I found that to be kind of interesting because I'm sure we've all been there before when we get to that state, when we're upset we're crying. So cyclic sighing. So those are the biggest things that I wanted to touch on with our respiratory fitness, really taking that time to prioritize breath work. It doesn't have to be much. It doesn't have to take hours on end. So for those who use that previous excuse as to why they under prioritize their stress management, there's no excuses anymore. Even if you can't focus on those other pillars right now, like what we talked about with our movement, our sleep, our gut health, and our mindset, at least take the time to start here first and foremost, and it'll make a huge difference. All right, team, that about wraps up today's episode. I really do hope that you found it helpful. If you did, as a thank you to me, do me a huge favor, Be sure to share this episode on your social media. And as well, too, if you haven't already, please take just 60 seconds here. Leave the podcast a five-star review, regardless if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music. It really means the world to me. It's what allows the episodes to grow. And that way we can help and reach more people. Thank you all so much for hanging out with me today. I look forward to chatting with you all again very soon. But until then, go out there, strive for more be more and ignite your inner athlete.